My name's Rita Catoni and you're listening to Kitchen Radio on 102.1 FM here in Alice Springs and in Tennant Creek. Kitchen Radio is a fortnightly show about food and it features local cooks and local eaters and generally a local theme or at least a theme. This afternoon I would like to welcome Chloe and Luke, two of my favourite guests on Kitchen Radio and we are talking uh, nose to tail eating and cooking I suppose, yeah. Welcome, Chloe. Welcome, Luke. Thank you so much. We um, are very honoured to be nice invited to be back because <laughs> we have such a good time every time we're on. It is, and it is a lot of fun, isn't it? I, I, I worry sometimes I have too much fun, and particularly when my guests bring some lovely wine as well, just to make the show lovely and mellow. Um, if you've been listening, to, if you're a regular listener to Kitchen Radio, you may have recalled that Luke and Chloe have been on the show maybe a couple of months ago where we did two consecutive shows on wine and that completely opened my eyes and my palate to wine. So we thought just to get in the mood for this afternoon's show, we would have a little bit of a uh, tasting. And so, look, can you tell me about what we're drinking? And we're not talking about wine, we're talking about nose to tail eating, but why not start off with a bit of wine? We reverted to old habits and we didn't we didn't raise this with Rita before we just decided to run in and grab a bottle because I think it's become an automatic response. When we go in and see Rita, we get a bottle. Uh, so we <laughs> I just have that influence on people that see me and <laughs> they need to drink. <laughs> um, we've got a Wins uh, Coonawarra Estate. Um, it's part of this interesting um, series of their wines I hadn't heard of before called Reframed. Chloe and I a few months ago got a um, reframed bottle of Shiraz Cross Riesling. We were just really intrigued, a red grape and a white grape crossed together. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And it went pretty well, I think. I think that was after our red wine show or the the white wine show. We staggered from here to the local bottle shop (laughs) and got a bottle of that. Yeah. And that was really good. But it was interesting because the idea is reframed, crossing together two different grapes that maybe, at least in Australia, aren't commonly crossed. And then we just saw this one, which was a uh, Cab Franc cross Cab Sav. Everyone will know a Cab Sav, um, but people probably won't, may not know a Cab Franc, which is... Um, a, a lighter sort of more fragrant grape and part of the same family they're both Cabernet and it was one that caught my attention because it was very common in Bordeaux when I used to work there um, mm-hmm. so we've just opened it up and mm. it tastes pretty good and you can taste that lightness and yeah. a bit more fruity. And I actually think there is a bit of a connection I'm, I'm trying to pull yeah. any connection to wine <laughs> I guess it's like looking at these two grapes that wouldn't be used together was mm. it because they were going to be put to waste what was going to do with it and I guess mm. when we talk about nose to tail is about not wasting any um, food or yeah. any part of the animal yep. so maybe it's crossing over into wine and today we get to taste the very uh, fruits of that labour and love as we do with food so this I'm very excited to talk about today's topic t- that's totally a pre-planned <laughs> idea so good Corey, can I just say there goes my segue so much better than what I had in mind. <laughs> so nose to tail, are you both followers of nose to tail cooking and eating? I'll start by I'll start by deferring a lot to Chloe on this one, I think, because Chloe is the very talented cook in our house. Um, I'll let her f- speak for herself, but I've become sort of a passive acceptor of this philosophy. I didn't know heaps about it, um, but it's something Chloe, Chloe, I think, naturally embodied. I don't know how much you can, you can probably talk to how much you'd read about it, but you, it was something you'd always done, I think, inherently when you're cooking. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where, because when I was going through my how how much I've eaten of nose to tail or offal, mm-hmm. as it often gets called, is I can list what I can remember, but I have no doubt that as a kid, whatever was just on my plate, I ate it. Mm-hmm. And there probably was a lot more <laughs> a mixed match yeah. of, you know, different things and not even realising it. So I feel like it's just been so incorporated into my family's way of eating and looking at food and I guess being very um, open to, to the whole animal and, and as 
you know, time and time again, cultures across the world do, you know, um, and it, it's not even a, uh, a matter of taste. It's it's sort of like in honour of the animal, mm. you have the whole thing. So it's almost like a spiritual relationship with the meat, even though it might look a bit like, but on the plate. But it really yeah. comes down to this honouring of the whole animal and, and, and it's time here to give us nourishing food. So I guess it's sort of been this just journey that's just happened as opposed to like a really, it did go off for a little bit. I've, there's definitely a chunk in my childhood where I remember it was a bit like you don't eat that because it looks bad or I think it was very much dominated by societal norms norms, yeah. and how we see food and it sort of became a bit more of a just don't do it because a, a lamb chop is sort of like the the gold standard to buy mm-hmm. um, and if you can afford it, you know, go nuts. But now it's sort of coming back into pop cooking culture and a bit more edgy. And well, it became ethical as well, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. It became aligned with the ethical, we'll Someplace. probably talk about this, the ethical movement. Yeah. yeah. And, and charging top dollar for it, which yeah. blows my mind. I know because it is actually just a return to basics really. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like in a, yeah, agrarian cultures, there's no way you're going to like kill a chicken or a, or a goat and not use every single part of it. So mm-hmm. it, it is one of those ironies that this style of, mm-hmm. of eating, which was very much around people not having a lot of money and a lot of resources, um, has has now become very, very hip and very <laughs> exclusive, I suppose. Yeah. Luke, good to talk about what we actually ate as children and what maybe or what our experiences have been in terms of actually eating offal because what we're talking about is eating the guts of the animals and the parts of the mm-hmm. animal that would normally be put aside. So you think about like, if you kill an animal, you, you, you take out the guts, the fish, because that's like the bad part that yeah. will make that will go off, and then you are left with the flesh. Whereas this is actually about eating all that stuff that would normally be thrown out. No, well, my childhood experience was certainly not offal based. I can't remember eating much, if any, offal or any any non sort of good fleshy parts mm-hmm. of meat when I was young. My father and mother had very different views on it. My mum struggles a lot with offal. She struggles a lot with the smell. And she always recounts this story about early in her marriage to my father. She remembered would wake up every Saturday morning feeling physically sick because she could smell my dad making lamb's fry Mm -hmm. in the morning, which was his sort of Saturday morning ritual. And and lamb's fry is is, um, a combination of different sort of meats. I think it's it's a lot of things. It's the liver. It's basically a lot of all the offal put together. Because I looked this up and I'm because I never knew actually what lamb's fry was. I just knew it made my mum want to get. <laughs> so my dad, my dad has always and still does really like it, but because my mum didn't and I think my brother didn't either, it was never a staple of our diets. And I, I didn't know much about it when I was a child. It, it, in all honesty, this has been a very last five-year discovery for me mm-hmm. and one I'm very glad that I've made now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up eating it and I'm mm. you know, older than both of you, so it's a different generation and my mother's Australian, so we sort of grew up eating liver and I suspect I even was given brains as a kid. I mean, I spent a lot of my time throwing my meat out the window, so chances are I didn't actually eat it. <laughs> but there was a point, yes, in fact, all those types of foods just were no longer on the family menu um, and they became very unfashionable. There were some scares at some point around eating organs and about t- toxic substances being mm. in organs. I can remember when that came about with eating brains, etc. So there, there was actually a reason why they went out of fashion for quite a long time. What about just like now as adult? Can you think maybe in the last couple of years of what offal you may have eaten and chosen to eat? Because I suspect there's a, there's two things happening here, which is where you get 
given something and you don't know what it is mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this is great, right? Mm-hmm. And then you realise it's awful and then there's the second element which is actually choosing, choosing this off a menu mm-hmm. or, well, or choosing to cook it. We could probably talk about a sort of defining early date in our relationship. So Chloe and I started dating in 2017 and Chloe's birthday on October of that year, we went to Press Food and Wine Bar Oh, in, yeah, in I like Adelaide. Press, yeah. Great, great restaurant and anyone in Adelaide or if you're going through Adelaide, I'd recommend going to it. And we got an offal board as part of our, that was our main course. It was about a hundred bucks and it was just a giant board of offal. Mm. And that on there had chicken ears that were sort of deep fried like crisps. Chicken uh, ears? P- pig's, pig's ears. Pig's ears. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm getting my animals mixed. <laughs> That's like Who a Tadakan situation. <laughs> Those roasts. Um, apologies. Pig, pig's ears. And that had deep fried lamb's brains, which was delicious. Mm-hmm. And what else was on there? Like a pate of some sort. It was pate. Well, people probably eat it all the time as pate and don't even realise that that's duck liver yeah, and chicken exactly, liver yeah. and, you know, all there of that stuff. Yeah, because it's often masked as well. That's yeah. the interesting thing about offal. It can mm. often be masked as mm. sausages or pate. And so I think mm. you, you probably are eating it a lot of times. Or your chicken nuggets realizing. from yeah. the frozen section. Yeah. I doubt that's Most the breast in there. Oh, totally. <laughs> and, um, and there was liver on there of, of some kind. And I just remember it because we, for me, it was, I hadn't had offal, I think, in the longest time, you know. I'd certainly not had a, as you were saying, Rita, like it's often hidden or disguised or mm. it's part of a meal or it's a pate. I hadn't had an offal as the main course, you know, as the predominant thing you're eating. And I just remember absolutely loving it. And it was one of those things you were, I'm a really fast eater, so I scoff my food most of the time, <laughs> very, un, you know, very unclassy. But this was one of those things where I was like, I was eating deliberately slowly because I'm like, oh, everything in here is so good. And I just didn't want to consume it too fast. And I, and it's been one of the one of the you know great meals experiences <laughs> of our relationship. And because of that, it, it sort of opened the door, certainly to me. We we subsequently went to Osteria Oggi, also in Adelaide, and uh-huh. had and had ox tongue. Thank God it didn't quite look like ox the literal tongue. tongue. Yeah. It was Chloe, cut up a bit more nicely. Chloe asked the waiter, she's like, "Does it come out as a full tongue? I don't think I can see just a tongue on a plate and want to eat it." <laughs> No, they normally slice it really thinly. Yeah. I mean, that is part of it is the presentation is to make it not look like what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can I ask about the offal board again? Like what was the different methods of cooking? Like I can imagine not everything would have been presented as sausages mm. or as deep fried pig's ears. I, I'm guessing the majority of it was fried. And I, I think, think so. even when I've cooked offal at home, it's usually fried. Like I don't really think of offal as like a baking no, dish as no, such. No, but it can be braised. Yeah. yeah. So there was like the deep fried ears and they were kind of really crispy with this sauce on top. The brain was crumbed, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. sort of like a schnitzel. And I'm guessing that was also fried. And then there was ooey gooey on the inside. (laughs) Ooey gooey braids this in time as if I had Halloween recently. And I think a lot of it is fried. I think so. I think the majority of them. Not necessarily deep fried, but at least fried off in a pan. And I, Every time I've cooked with offal, the technique is more like a frying it off with onion, garlic. Yeah. And I think to what Luke was speaking to is at the end of the day, these are like really great cuts of meat or parts of meat, but you've just got to know what to do with it. Like it still needs flavour. Yeah, it does. Mm. I mean, I, I would argue that pull actually has a lot of flavour, mm. but what you've got to work with is the texture mm. and you've mm. actually got to find ways to cook with it, mm-hmm. which which present, you know, which have a texture which is edible. that don't mm. make people go, oh, what's this? You know, so mm. it's like liver 
patty. It's got a particular mm. texture and that's why I think – and that's why it's also sort of ground up in many sausages like blood sausage and yeah. um, and Wyatt. So there's this French sausage I just used to love when I lived in Paris when I was a much younger person and, this, <laughs> and I was given it at a meal at a French family's place and I was like, oh, this is just amazing. I had no idea what it was. And I would go out of my way and buy it and cook it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then one day I must have got some that was a little bit off. And I could smell what it was and it was like, oh, that's interesting. But by that stage, I'd already got a taste for it. So it didn't matter what it was. I would have gone ahead and I still go out of my way to eat it. So it was actually tripe, like minced tripe and then actual intestine with uh, lots of herbs. It's just really, really lovely. I read about it today and they said it often smells like the farmyard. Mm. Mm. Um, So, And I think there's maybe the smell you have to contend with. As well. A bit more of a natural smell. Like I think <laughs> yeah. we're so used to our meat being how it looks in the packet on yeah. the shop. But in saying mm. that, as part of our five-year journey, part of Luke's is I think we cook more with it now because we shop at Woolworths and it's even really present on eye level now. And I think You know, that I've never noticed. Really? It's never. like right near the duck, the turkey, that at eye level. And I think every time I'm like, oh, yeah, and it's like for $5 for 500 grams of protein. It's great. And now there's lamb's brain mm-hmm. available, but every day as opposed to seeking out mm-hmm. to go get it. So I think that's really influenced when you want a cheap meal and a tasty meal, mm. chuck some and you know, yeah. chicken hearts. Chicken hearts have yeah. become probably one of the staples of our diet. We have it every other week. Chicken hearts. Um, you know, mm. We'll probably talk about this later, I guess. Yeah, so we'll we are going to do recipes yeah. later on and yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely intrigued by the chicken heart recipe. Mm. But your point about um, the supermarkets is, I think you're completely right, is that it's the the offal is the cheapest cuts of meat you can get. I mean, mm. I buy it mm. for my dog, mm. like um, ox heart and liver, oh, yeah. etc. Mm. And it's, you know, price-wise, it is, the, it is the cheapest cuts you can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think even at Milner's, they've got, is it lamb's lung? Was it they have, they have uh, pig, uh, I think it's pig's lung actually. So we've talked about the supermarkets. You can get yeah. this at mm. supermarkets, and it's usually frozen. Am I right? At least at at Milner, I've rarely yes. seen like mm. fresh offal, and it's in a mm-hmm. freezer. It's in its own separate freezer. Alice and Milner lovers will know this. Once you when you go into the main Milner's out in Gillen, you turn to the right, and there's a big freezer at sort of hip level that's filled just chock a block with offal. We haven't actually really gotten into that freezer yet, but I always look at it very excitedly. Mm. <laughs> Um, I think I think because there's just Milner's is just one a really good butcher and it's, it's hard it's to go great. buy some of those amazing cuts. So we've bumped into you in yeah, Milner's Rita. Look, I, I think it's as good a butcher as you get anywhere Honestly. in Australia. I've got to say, and I think we're it's, we're really lucky in Alice Springs to have such a quality butcher. And what they've introduced at Milner's Butcher is the hanging carcasses of oh, meat, which great. I like. For me, I was like, oh, it was almost like an art installation. Yeah, I, I was agree. like, oh my god, like we have to you know stare at it for five minutes and take in the messaging or something. But it's <laughs> it like it is getting back to the nose to tail idea that you no, know reminding people that you know you are eating an animal and because mm. i think everything exactly. can be so masked and presented that you can often forget in a way that you forget mm. what it is that you're eating and i think to be that's my that's my issue with it really is yeah. that i can't kid myself that i'm eating something else what i'm eating is, is an animal yeah. uh, and we take we take all our guests who come through alice springs we take them like like it is a tourist location to moon meets <laughs> and in very like it's an art installation as well like uh, invariably they love it they're kind of amazed that we have such a good butcher so they have a good offal selection mm. too, but we haven't got to it. And then they love that they got your crocodile, you got mm. your buffalo, yeah. like even just extending, you know, how much meat are we, you know, do you always need to go for the chicken or do you always need to go well, for the 
beef. This is it? another. Well, that's another part of this conversation, isn't it? Just not only the selection of parts of the animal, but which animals we select. It's part of that same mm. overall philosophy about yeah. you know we only want to eat chicken breast or we only want to eat a good T-bone steak. Like there's Actually, lots of good animals in addition to the parts of other animals. There was a fun fact I learnt the other day that one of the top three meats in the world eaten is actually goat. Yes, yes. I was going to say goat is another one where Mm. it's generally completely consumed or parts of the goat are Mm. consumed. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, goat's great. Do you eat either of you eat goat? Love goat. Love goat. It's great. Especially Chloe does a a good goat curry. Yeah, Yeah. and it's so much better than lamb. But um, I haven't seen goat's entrails for sale anywhere. Put your head into that Milner's freezer someday. Yeah, maybe. It might be buried (laughs) down there somewhere. My previous guest, Laurie May, she actually does local vore cooking and she actually, she and her husband actually kill a goat Mm. and then they... Mm. um, package it up and freeze it so knowing Laurie I, I suspect she would actually keep the, the uh, mm. those parts of the animal the organs of the animal and um, do something with it there you go yeah. yeah but pigs often it's pigs you know and then yeah. obviously um, beef cows mm-hmm. I haven't seen lambs apart from lambs lambs brain I think just lambs brain is what I'm really aware of or there is lamb's hearts at Woolworths now as well. Yes, I've bought lamb's hearts yeah. for my dog. Yeah, kidneys. Kidneys. We should actually go through the parts of um, mm. the different, the things that you can actually buy in the supermarket, which mm. is obviously not limited to what you can get. But I've got this list here and I've got stomach, hooves, trotters, shin, intestines, liver, head, tongue, pancreas, lungs, kidneys, mm. udders, and very rarely in certain communities, testicles. <laughs> and I think, and we could probably also talk here in this context about tail. Yeah, or yeah, tail. Root tail. Of course. Because mm. I, I kept thinking the nose to tail and I kept thinking, but what, what tail gets eaten? But you're right, root mm. tail gets eaten. And even Milner's the other day cooking with skin. They had pig skin. Okay. Oh, did and they? Yes, yeah, so I guess you could crisp it up. What would you do to that, do you think? I think, I don't know, this is if I had like a big fancy industrial kitchen, <laughs> like <laughs> sort of crisping it up in the oven, lots of salt, and then using it as like a crackle on top of dishes. Like not so much you eat that as the meal, but more make it a, like yeah. a garnish or something oh, for yeah. really salty yeah. texture is how I would mm. start thinking about skin. Because the skin is an organ as well. And it's mm. interesting. I've never thought about it as, as a meal in itself. I wonder what its nutritional value is like, because that is the thing. Even though I said before there were these scares, you know, when I was a child about eating uh, at least eating brains. I've read that uh, a lot of, I suppose, offal is really high in nutritional value, particularly liver. Mm. I I don't know about skin. Yeah, maybe not skin. But when we eat our chicken hearts for dinner and that, like I'm just assuming with blood pumping through a heart that there's some higher nutritional value. But Certainly good iron. Yeah, and I think it still comes, because I know some people when you bring up this topic, they go, can't be healthy, la, 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 la. But I think it still comes back to, as sort of has been the theme of a lot of our foodie conversations, is all of this in moderation. Yep. And people just didn't eat meat that often regardless. But when they did, they ate the whole thing. And I think that just comes back down to it's a sense of celebration and having a balanced diet. Mm. But, you know, liver and all of that, they're so high in protein and iron that I think if people ate more that, like the whole animal, they probably would have a more balanced (laughs) diet. Yeah, Yeah, because you're getting so much more of the animal. That is for terms and conditions, you know, that's not backed by any science, <laughs> putting yeah. it out there, but that's just sort of my ad hoc theory. No, no, there is some science out there. No, I just I'm sure come there is, yeah. some science. It says, offal is incredibly nutritious and loaded with minerals, vitamins and amino acids that are vital mm-hmm. to our health. Mm-hmm. You know what I really love? And that it's an Italian sausage called cotechino. 
which mm. you can't get here. I, I do I do bring it back with me. You boil it up um, and you sort of serve it with um, you know, polenta or beans mm. and tomato. Mm. And it's very similar to a salami because I grew up in, in North Queensland in a, you know, an Italian community there. And if you even go into any of the butchers there now, you can buy what's called a cook salami. Mm-hmm. And it, that this is what it is. And it tastes so good. Mm. And you just know that you don't want to know what's in there. <laughs> you can just tell by the way, because as you, you know, when it's hot, as you boil it up, you can just see the different, I suppose, textures and the of what's in the sausage. And mm. yeah, I, I don't want to know, but it is one of my favourite <laughs> things to eat. I don't think we've had. Have we had that? No, no it sounds so. delicious though. It does. Yeah. It does. But I, there are certainly those those things that we've had before. We were like, I don't really want to know what was what mm. that was made. Well, of, I think sausages are great because, and I think that's yeah. what a lot of um, cultures do is yeah. that everything that you can't sort of readily sort of eat or, mm. or um, preserve in some way is you make it into sausage. So you make blood sausage, mm. you know, and mm. then you make salami. And uh, well, when I when I lived in France, everybody used to talk about this. Have you have you eaten fromage de tête? And I was like, oh, I don't know, what's that? I expected it to be a cheese, but of course it's a cheese of the head, which is like a, a terrine or, or a broil. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so it's yeah. every part of the pig, um, yeah, the pig's head yeah. made into a terrine. Mm-hmm. It's really good. See, I don't really, that doesn't bother me as much, but maybe no, it's like a different either, relationship. Like, no. Yeah, you know, I, can, I can hear about it as long as it, yeah, maybe just the tongue situation. <laughs> I was like, please don't have a whole yeah, tongue on the plate. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, for me it doesn't, I don't think, oh no, just depending on what it's made out of. Yeah, yeah, I accidentally got a corn tongue instead of corned beef last <laughs> year, and I just couldn't. I couldn't deal with from it. where Milner. Yeah, because they corn have the corn tongue, tongue at, in the same place as the corned beef. Yeah. How interesting. And why why couldn't you deal with it? I, it was a tongue. Like I think oh, I'm, I think I'm two faced here because I yeah, actually yeah. really struggle with the fact that I'm eating an animal. Yeah. And there's no way eating tongue unless it's sliced really thinly. Mm. Um, can you say oh, I'm not really eating an animal? But they gave you a big thick tongue in a full. Yeah. Well, it's it's in, it was in a plastic bag, so yeah. it was, and the packaging was the same. And so the weight. You can I feel was the much weighted. the same. There's no way you could, you know. I mean, it was just it, it was labelled on there, but yeah, yeah. So I, um, yeah. Look, I, I think things like tongue, particularly if they're presented in in little lumps and things. My auntie used to cook tongues like yep. that. Mm. Was, yeah, no, not, not appealing whatsoever. The ox tongue we had at Osteria Oji was the highlight of the meal. Basically, it was so delicious. And was it sliced really thinly? It was sliced yeah, really see, thinly. Yeah, I, would, I would, would eat that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm guessing fried again. I think fried. Yeah. yeah. What did they have on With it? With like though? a lemon sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Really well seasoned all your herbs and yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, was, it was delicious yeah um Chloe, what about in greek cooking is there much by way of um offal in greek cuisine yeah so i guess um sort of saying earlier like growing up it was sort of it's just part of your eating cuisine like you you know how it's necessarily cooked everyone has their own recipe and how it's done is very different but in essence it is part of the general culinary culture um, but I quickly just Googled because I was like, I want to get the name right. There is a famous dish called kukurezi and it's when they get lamb or goat intestines wrapped around seasoned offal, um, so hearts, lung, kidneys. So essentially anything in that goat or anything in that lamb is then wrapped in the intestines and then it looks literally like your, you know, like in your sort of like your kebab shops, mm. how it spins around mm. like that, like a big, 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 big sausage and that's what it's done. It's like, you know, a souvla mm. cooks for hours, kind of like a lamb on the spit 
And it's just apparent I've never had the chance to have it because people just don't do it as much anymore, yeah. which is such a shame. But that was a very celebratory dish. Mm. Um, so mum speaks of people doing it at back in her day in um, engagement parties when it used to be in the backyard and more of a at-the-home event. And it was very much seen as like a, um, you know, very special dish, like mm. very and tasted absolutely amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you it tasted so much mm. better than a straight sort of souvla with just um, lamb or something, mm. you know, yeah. or chicken or whatever, yeah. Mm. And so that was actually seen as not just like eating out of necessity but the the star dish, <laughs> like the special <laughs> dish to eat. Yeah. Look, the, the other place you can get offal from in Alice Springs is Ling's. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, and I had a little bit of a look in there today and I actually took some photos of what was in there because it's not, you know, I, I woun't buy it because I don't know really what I'm buying but evidently you can get chicken's feet there Mm -hmm. and they've got it's a stomach they've got cured stomach cured pork stomach oh well I believe yeah tendon do a little tendon soup yes (laughs) Mm. but I think that's great though because I remember growing up and I actually read an amazing article by a American Asian writer saying how much um, back in the day like when they used to do those tv shows where you would you know have to eat something "Quote unquote gross," or confess you have to answer a question truthfully, or something. And they used to pick all these foods, and it's like such an insult because these are people's cuisines and cur- like culinary <laughs> cultures. And and now I think we're moving away from seeing it as like ew or this thing that's only a joke. Or mm. but I guess it shows the power of how much that does affect people as well because it seems like oh it's just a part of me and we're having a laugh, but it's so ingrained into people's cultures that yeah. it has such a deeper and bigger meanings. I think it's great that we, you know, seeing that actually enter our cooking worlds now and being celebrated and not seen as like a joke. And also like the psychology behind all this, Mm. it's so true. I remember a really interesting article about the way it's ingrained in Western culture that you, it's all right for kids to eat things like pig and cow and things like that. It goes right back to the ch- to the stage of really young childhood when they're given certain toys, you know, to play with that are seen as caring toys, things like little toy dogs or little toy uh-huh. things. There aren't, they don't exist toy pigs traditionally and toy, you know, toy yep. cows, at least not to the same degree and it's certainly not in the, in the last few decades. So these things get ingrained from a very young age about what's acceptable to eat, mm-hmm. you know, what animals firstly are acceptable to eat and then what parts of animals also within that and that's more in the home cooking style and um, but it's, I, I found the, philosoph- uh, the psychology behind a lot of this really interesting about how, mm. how much do we really not like the smell or presentation of these things because it's innate in us and how much yeah. is it because it's been conditioned I think it's us. all conditioned. Yeah. I think so much. Apart from the fact that you've also got to take into account smell and texture and I think yes. every, every, you know, there's that idea that as, as tasters it's kind of like smell, flavour, texture. You know, it's one of those um, elements that each person is drawn to. Yes. Mm. So you choose the foods that you really like and maybe those that have a particular uh, it's texture that's yeah. that that what is what sort of draws you to food or maybe mm-hmm. it's it's the aroma or maybe mm. it's it's flavor although mm. really you can't talk about flavor without really talking about aroma either yeah and yeah. i think that i'm sort of tangenting slightly here but i even think of like cause I, i'm really humbled by these conversations of how far we've come in australia with cooking because i even think of you know, even in the 70s, like the smell of garlic was repunct. Like people hated the smell of garlic and, and you got made so fun of. It's hard to imagine, it's, isn't mm. it? Yeah. yeah, or espresso coffee. Like it was like, oh, who drinks a coffee? Only, you know, da-da-da, yeah. um, insert insult. But And now we're just, you know, it's so part of our everyday eating style and the mm. choices we have here, like we're so lucky and just people being able to celebrate, I think those really intrinsically tired 
cultural aspects of food. Mm. And I think before this used to be squashed and stunted out of people and mm. really silenced. And now we're opening up to this new world where, you know, there's a few people that probably think they're the first ones that they're doing it and they're definitely not. Mm. But I think it's great, you know, celebrating these methods because all of this carries stories, all of this carries culture, all of this carries legacy. And it's, it's what's been kept going. So I, I'm, it makes me very humbled and Really yeah. happy, to be honest. Mm, mm. The only thing I would like to add before we sort of go for a, um, a mid-show song is that I think I think it's one thing to go to a restaurant and eat these foods, mm. but I think it's a totally another thing to choose to cook with these foods. You're listening to Kitchen Radio on HCC 102.1 FM. My name's Rita Katoni. My guests today are Chloe Fargos and Luke Hanneth. And we're talking about nose to tail, cooking and eating. And I'm going to hand it over to Chloe and Luke. And they're going to give us uh, at least one recipe, maybe more. I think we'll do our dinner favourite. Mm-hmm. And this is chicken hearts, which we either serve with rice or it could be with pasta. I guess the what you put with it is... Flexible. It's um, Chloe's chicken hearts. She is the master of this recipe. Yeah. Is this is this is this something that you've gone out and eaten and you've been inspired, or is it something that comes that that you sort of is from your family? Probably more from family. Okay. And it's just mum used to do them, and then I think yeah, I did them at one stage. But it was all of that watch and learn. So I can't say it's like a specific recipe. Yeah. It's funny what comes back to you, like when you think that sort of passive watching, but. And I think I'll probably more speak to the ingredients because then that might sound more Greek-esque. But just starting off by frying off lots of onion. I actually do no garlic in this recipe. Okay. Have you chopped up your onion? Chopped up my onion. You're frying thinly it sliced. in olive oil? Yes. So thinly sliced, not chopped. Yeah. I'd consider not diced. Not diced. Yeah, no, thinly White sliced. White onion or a red onion? Depending because you can play around with the recipe a bit, but I do red for a bit more sweeter taste. Mm-hmm. And then... Get that nice and caramelised. Add in your chicken hearts and then put in your herbs. So um, usually definitely oregano at the very least, dried parsley. Sometimes I do a bit of onion garlic powder for a bit of kick or a bit of paprika Mm -hmm. or chilli. And then out comes the white wine. Put it in and let it just cook off. And that sort of gives it a bit of a different depth of flavour. And then as that's cooking away, um, might put in a little bit of water or a bit of stock, depending what's in the house. Let it reduce down probably for about 10, 15. And then at the end, stir through some fresh lemon juice and then serve it with fresh parsley on top at the end. And you I think s- I haven't forgotten anything. Yeah. No. So can yeah. I just ask how big are the chicken hearts? Are they like little, are they like a centimetre or...? The tip of your thumb, I reckon, that top bracket of your thumb so you don't need to cut them up no and are they very tender they're they do get tender i would say they're quite squishy like they're definitely Uh not like a firm thing but yeah probably the not the your thumbnail but up to that first line okay and they do look like a heart Okay. You um, see, yeah, you see the you see the ventricles, you see the aortas, <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it can get a bit National Geographic, and you oh. want to sort of look away. But um, yeah. I it's also not- enjoy chewing on them too. <laughs> <laughs> so they're a bit chewy. So you're not yeah. you're not cooking them for a long time, so that mm-hmm. they're sort of braised. They're, they're actually a little bit chewy. No, but I think that's part of the. Like, I like the texture sure. of it. So it's yeah, texture, more of a, I guess yeah. It's, is it rubbery? Would you call it rubbery? Not, rubbery? not rubbery. But it's no, it's not halloumi, is it? It's more. No. Uh, it does cook down and it probably could get even more tender. Yeah. 
if you wanted to really cook it for a long time. But I like the bit of the bit of the bite to it. Yeah. But it's definitely soft. Yeah. yeah. Now you also said you served this with pasta sometimes. Pasta sometimes like little um orzo pasta. Oh, okay. Like the like little a, um, call it the ma- little rice. Manestra. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or usually rice and then it soaks up all the juices because yeah. by that stage there's a lot of flavour. So no in cheese the or anything? No, is, no, che- I wouldn't have thought this is. No, no, no cheese and just a lot of fresh herbs on top just to give it that bit of bring in a bit of earthiness. But then sometimes I might chuck in in the early stages. Just It's one of those things of what's in your fridge, like if there's a, one zucchini that's left over or a carrot, chop it up really finely, put it in there as well. Um, but it's definitely not like a sofrito base. Like it's not sure. meant to be like that. It's more just your... So it's a quick yeah, meal, really. Quick yeah. meal, oregano, lemon, onion, those flavours. And so, oh, of course, every pinch of salt and pepper. And when you buy your chicken hearts, what are you like? What are you looking for? Is it just whatever's there? Like you have choices, and how much? Like is this like a kilo of chicken hearts or half a kilo of chicken hearts? It's five hundred grams. Five hundred grams. Is yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. And that's enough for two people, or yes. yeah, two. I'll say fairly big servings. It probably yeah. could be three. They're, they're good <laughs> servings, and we only ever get them from. Woolworths and they just come in standard 500 gram okay. packets. Mm. I don't know if Coles do them actually. We haven't looked in Coles, mm. um, but we don't, we don't have to go to Milner's or anything like that because we just, yeah, we head on down to Woolies and they're always, as Chloe said earlier, they're a lot cheaper. Yeah, and compared to other meat. Compared to other, other meat. Yeah, I think it's five bucks. Yeah, okay. Well, Four, yeah. See, and I found it really interesting. You you're, you were very particular about your herbs as mm. well in this. Um, would you always say is. that's an important part of getting that flavour right? I think so. Like, I, I, And for, more if you want that sort of Greek style taste, like I could always imagine if you wanted to move more towards um, maybe almost like a, a white bolognese type thing, you'd mm. probably then do your sofrito and then your rosemary or different sort of flavours. And I think the chicken hearts would be really adaptable yeah, to it. We have arguments in our household because my partner's sort of Greek Cypriot background and he always says, I want to Italianize everything. Yeah. And I've actually learned <laughs> over not the not years. Well, I actually appreciate sort of Greek cooking when, because it is simpler and it's about lemon juice yep. and, and herbs and, and I actually don't do it anymore. I just go, if, that's, if it's meant to be a Greek dish, it's meant to be a Greek yeah. dish. Mm. Yeah. And surprisingly, we use a lot of onion, but garlic isn't as prominent. Like, of course, there's garlic in Greek food. <laughs> I'm doing four. There's any, the phones get hot with phone calls. <laughs> there's definitely garlic but in Greek like food. Italian food. Like International Italian food yeah. is very, very yeah. heavy with garlic. Yeah. Like, it can be. But, yeah, I but think my nonna didn't cook much with garlic. So yeah. it does, it does, you know, depend on the person, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I'd say actually, like, um, Asian cuisines probably use more garlic. Like I always, people always assume Greek culture just always has garlic in their food. But besides the main dishes, we actually don't. It, it's very onion based and herbs. It's those lumps of garlic in the leg of lamb. Lamb, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, mm. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. So it's really quick, really basic, as a lot of these recipes are. And you don't even have to use the white wine if you know you're not a drinker or that's not your thing. But I'd probably then put in stock. Okay. Just to let, just to create a bit of a sauce. Mm. Is it yeah. a main meal or is this a starter? Main meal. Okay. Yeah, have as a main meal and, yeah, very simple, easy recipe. Great. Not much more to it, really. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't convinced me, but maybe it's something I need to eat yeah. in mm. order to, to be convinced because, yeah, I, I can say I've never eaten a chicken heart ah. in my life. I'd say it's kind of – I'd describe it as sort of an, a bit of an agrarian sort of meal, you know. Yeah. It's not like mm. a really, like, um, fancy restaurant thing you expect to sit down. At. Like, we create those experiences at our home. I don't mean we you have to go out to restaurants to create restaurant-style meals, but it's – you know what I mean. It's, it's sort yep. of hearty. It's – it gives you energy um, and it's mm. very – it's kind of basic, I'd say. Like it's just yeah. – it's a handful of ingredients. It's rice, it's hearts and it's yeah. salt, pepper, herbs. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a 
what I call agrarian meal, just good sustenance food. Mm, yeah, and it's because there is it's quite a lot of Greek food that you never ever see in restaurants, you know, yeah. and it is one of those foods that you just would never see in a restaurant, mm-hmm. but it, it gets eaten quite a lot, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, a lot of people still wouldn't eat it necessarily, but for me it's just like, as opposed to why, like why not? You know, like why not? <laughs> if it's yeah. there and it's cheap, yeah. um, we are saving for a wedding, so like why not? You know, yeah, yeah, sure, and if you can yeah. make it taste good, the flavors more. Everything's got to have flavor. Uh, yes, exactly. And I suppose the other recipe you can talk to, and I'm throwing you under the bus here, is oh. you recently became initiated in the art of cooking rutel. Oh yeah, through work. Yep, and that's a whole other experience as well. Yeah. Like really seeing and. and I thought I would actually, this is, you know, you're saying a bit of the irony and sometimes, you know, talking the talk and then I thought, oh, just then had a memory of when I picked up the tail and was going to singe the hair on the tail and it flopped more than I thought the tail was going to flop and I went, ah, (laughs) sort of have this like internal freeze where you go, oh my God, this is a tail and it sort of kicks in a little bit and looks fluffy like you do at the... When you go to the zoo and you see the kangaroos and you're feeding them pellets and but it's, you know, nope, this is what it is. We're eating it once it's cooked, you know. I scoffed it down. But there's always that little, what about you that time you cooked your duck and you you had to get me to cut the neck off. I cooked the whole duck, yeah, and I had to, it it just came whole and and it really got me the whole, the weight of the thing. Yeah. And the fact Mm. that when I opened it and cut it out of its plastic packaging, the neck kind of flopped out, you know. And then I was like, It's a much longer neck than. (laughs) And I I honestly, I had to cut off part of the neck and I couldn't do it. I had to give it to Chloe because I'm just, I can't, I feel like I'm killing something. I I really can't do it. And it's a bit of the, it's a bit of being, I guess, a little bit of a hypocrite when it comes to eating meat. You're supposed to be able to do these things. But I just, the weight of it and seeing that neck roll out, oh, I still can think of it. Yeah, it Uh, is very sanitized, I think, the way we consume Mm -hmm. meat. And if you go to, you know, wet markets in, in, in other countries, I remember being mm. going through Laos, and just there's no, you know, you're a bit, you're confronted with the food that you're eating, and you have mm-hmm. to accept that, you know, mm. to the point when you buy chickens, there's the little eggs in there, and mm. there's always the heads on mm. them, and things like that. So th- there is, I really like the idea of, of having to be a little bit honest about, you know, if you are going to eat meat. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Do you have a awful recipe no, that you I ever? Don't <laughs> eat it all. I love this show. We've been wanting to do it for ages, but I mean, Kotakino. Kotakino, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you can't buy Kotakino here, but if you're interstate, um, you know, and that's just simply boiling up the sausage um, for a long time. And then I make a, um, always with bolotti beans and tomato mm. and often with polenta as mm. well, like um, kale as well, if you've got it. But that would probably be my absolute favourite. What I'm interested in is is eating these foods out in restaurants because often what inspires me is is eating them. Mm. rather than like I would rarely see a recipe for offal in a cookbook and go, I'm going to cook that. But if you if you serve it to me at someone's home or in a restaurant and, and I really like the flavour, well, then I'll, I'll be inclined to explore that further. I looked this morning at nose-to-tail restaurants and I, I reckon like 10 years ago there were restaurants that were just specialising in nose-to-tail and I'm finding that's not the case so much more what you're finding is that the hip restaurants will have one or two dishes Mm. you know that are awful based Mm -hmm. well i think we looked because this was at um press but there's also peel street which does fabulous food in adelaide but um they don't have the awful board anymore and i'm like i wonder if that was a demand Yes, think? I, I think so. I think it was, yeah. a, it was demand mm. and, and now that it's maybe no longer um, as fashionable, it, you know, there's generally one item on a menu but not a whole menu and or I, not a whole board. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing I've seen the most is pig's ears. 
yes. is what I see in a lot of Italian restaurants in Adelaide. It's as a like a starter uh-huh. and usually with like a glaze yes. or something. And it, I think it's purely texture because it's essentially like eating a really good crackling, like a really good pork crackling and doesn't look too like much like the ear. But yeah, that's true. I think it has gone slightly out of vogue, sort of think, out of fashion. I, we went and ate our way through Melbourne back in May. We went to good restaurants mm. sort of every other night. I'm just trying to think if we had any or saw any offal. I don't think we did. No, I think um, duck was the big duck, yeah. new thing. Yeah. I feel like yeah. every place had duck. Duck's yeah. very fashionable. I, I yeah. did see uh, a restaurant in London and they had pigs now. Mm. And it was <laughs> sliced. It looked really sliced, you know, on a plate, and it did look really pretty. But I, mm. I, I don't know if I would have eaten that. Um, <laughs> I've done a bit of research, so I want to. I want to throw these things, these at you. These mm. um, so Ombra Salumi Bar in Melbourne. Mm. So a salami bar. Um, they've got oxtail terrine, bone marrow as well. Oh. I've seen a lot of bone marrow. Oh, actually, on we've menus. had that bone marrow. Yeah, then. yeah. Bone, bone marrow. marrow is beautiful. I see, I'm happy to eat bone marrow. Mm. As okay. well, what, what I found was that there's a lot of these sort of butchery type restaurants coming out, mm. and yeah. that they seem to have quite a little bit of offal. Mm. So there's one called Butcher's Diner in Melbourne, and they've actually got blood sausage and devilled eggs, and Ooh. duck heart skewers. Mm. That'd be interesting. And it's it's what I mean that called, sorry? it's called um, Butcher's Diner. Butcher's it's Diner. worthwhile having a look at it because mm. the um, the website's got a really rough looking butcher at the front. That's so right. and and the actual menu looks like it's a daggy sort of menu. Yep. It looks like one of those daggy, but but it's obviously the the design that they're going for. Mm. So and who they're um, aiming for. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting those sort of steak restaurants, and then obviously your your. Um, Asian restaurants. I was going to say, you took my thought from my brain. I was like, it's funny how it's kind of moved towards those really masculine yes. butcher restaurants. And I was like, even though you'd go down Chinatown at any point and there always has been around, you know, these dishes and they look delicious. And, and look, Chinese food, I think, is full of offal. Mm. It's just presented yeah. in such a way you've got no idea what you're eating. Yes. Like if you go to Yum Cha, but it tastes good, doesn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. No, adore it, adore it. And um, very much like that was something I was going to say earlier in relation to just kind of a bit of the snobbery around what sort of foods we eat. Like people have always turned their nose up at the things that um, typically you see in China hanging up, like things like scorpions, insects. And I read a really interesting <laughs> article about the sustainability of that sort of eating and, mm. and in the coming decades how much yes. that sort of stuff we'll have to get used yes. to eating. We can't just eat cows that take up huge amounts of space and let go mm. all this CO2 yeah. and, you know, trample the earth. We won't be able to do that in 50 years' time. We're going to have to get used to maybe the idea of eating insects. I was just staying at Tugan a couple of years ago where my brother lives and um, I actually got a packet of grasshoppers Oh, and I took them home to my four-year-old nephew who <laughs> really loved them. He was eating grasshoppers. So I, bet, I, little bet. I reckon kids would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he really liked the texture of them and yeah. um, because he, wa- he wasn't, uh, he didn't have the bias that I have with eating. Yeah. He was just tasting them and they tasted really good. But I think you're completely right. Things do really need to shift. And I find that interesting because I'm sure like as we're having this conversation about shifting mindsets about meat and everything else, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are saying, all of that is wrong. We shouldn't have any meat. <laughs> that's really well, the that's shift. that's the other thing too. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> the next step, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the only other restaurant or type of food which I would like to mention because it tastes so good is pho restaurants. Mm. There's a lot mm. of – I think it's pho duck biet which has um, tendon and mm. tripe and beef meatballs and a lot of those really flavoursome I think that is meats. available here in town, isn't it, at the Vietnamese restaurant? Yeah. I you mean, can get tripe, I think. 
booked. Oh, okay, there you go. I haven't looked that in detail at the re- at that restaurant <laughs> menu. <laughs> so, but there, lots of things to think about, and maybe we, um, twelve months time or two years time, we'll be doing a show on you know how to crumb crickets and things like that because there are a lot of them there's going to be a lot of them here in Alice Springs soon and they're pretty meaty I think I've got a, some a couple of big grasshoppers hanging around my garden at the moment well that's about a wrap for the nose to tail show what are you both cooking this weekend well as we were discussing while the song was playing we had both had sleep-ins this morning so I haven't thought that far ahead we for also, today <laughs> we also have a house guest though who who eats more restricted diets so we have to look at white meats probably if we're going yeah, to but I still think tonight as a maybe a little starter we should give the lamb's brain a go because it's available here in town. So deep fry it and give it a go. Have you cooked it before? Okay. Do you think it's a deep fried thing or do you think it's like a shallow fry? A shallow fry. Yep. Maybe both, but I think I'll probably just shallow fry for more ease. I think we should do it. And what offal are you going to be cooking, Rita? I'm not cooking any offal. <laughs> I've got a freezer full of leftovers I'm going to have to get through, I think. What's a nice entry-level offal for Rita if she wants to start her offal journey? Do you oh, think? do tripe. I'm happy to try tripe. Tripe. What else do you think? It was once she had. Is chicken hearts a nice entry? I think chicken hearts or, or liver. Liver. These yeah, are nice no, entry. I won't do liver. Yeah, uh-huh. I grew up eating liver and there was a point uh, where I was just like, I'm not eating this anymore. But have you had it done right? Rita, that's yeah. the question. Look, look, I'm someone who doesn't eat a lot of meat anyhow. So yeah. I think this show is kind of ironic. I'm interested and I think that offal can taste amazing and I think it's ethically it's something we all need to be considering and mm. being prepared to eat. But for me, if it came down to, like, you have to eat offal or you have to not eat meat, I, I might actually choose to not eat meat at all, you know. Mm. It's, it could be down to that just because I don't eat a lot of meat anyhow. But, mm. Um, mm. but then again, I don't think I can ever not eat salami. And salami's <laughs> full of offal. So, so true. Yes. Yeah. I did that once. I was like, oh, my God, like I was vegetarian today. He's like, you had a salami sandwich. Oh. <laughs> oh, and do you know, it's just occurred to me that like, I love and crave twiggy sticks and I, God knows what are in those. You've got no idea what's in any of those foods. And don't don't tell me that it's all just like... Just got to look pretty. Wagyu beef. <laughs> Wagyu yes. beef twiggy sticks. That'd be quite good. Um, okay. Well, that's it for tonight. Thank you, Luke. Thank you so much, Chloe. Bye.